Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays on a text-driven Tuesday. Good morning, George. Good morning. Text-driven Tuesday. If you are new, and hopefully there are some new listeners out there or people watching on YouTube, this is the day where we go back through, uh, not just going through the sermon to re-preach the sermon, but whoever preaches on Sunday... Uh, George is preaching through Hebrews, so we're going through and discussing that sermon. Um, we do expositional sermons here, which means we go verse by verse, and so now George is in beginning chapter 2, so today we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and I told him before, it's one, this is one of the, I think, the best sermons I've heard in a really long time from anybody, because it's super relevant, um, and the reason it's good is not, and don't take this the wrong way, is because you were creative and you had like super bomb illustrations, but because you <laughs> right. just kind of walked right through the text, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And which is what you always do, but it was very clear, uh, very clear presentation, and you can see crystal clear what is being said in this passage, and it's very relevant, uh, and not just because, hey, everybody in, it, out there needs to hear it, which they do. Uh, it, it's a really relevant sermon for our culture, mm-hmm. where you know, in the West, where everyone says they're a Christian. But as you pointed out, every, you know, this is for us. Right. He uses the term "we," which we'll talk about. Yeah. Like we need to hear it. You're not exempt. No Christian is exempt from hearing the warning passage. Yeah, and that's that's one of the that's one of the duties, I guess, of the preacher. Um, throughout the week, don't let John Piper hear you use that word. Okay, all right. the the bene- the benefit. <laughs> he doesn't like that word. <laughs> the blessing. Say it again. It's one blessing. of the great joys. It's one of the great joys. Okay, I just saved you from Piper. From Piper. Now I get you can use the word yeah. duty here. We understand that because it's right. a military community. Yeah. Um, you have to as you're meditating upon the the text, you're reading it over and over and over again. You're studying different commentaries you're you're just thinking about it all the time yeah you have to apply it to yourself uh-huh and that was challenging for me last week as i was as i was preparing because you're an awesome christian because i'm such an awesome christian that i was like <laughs> how does this even how does this even affect my life no it's you know it's i guess first it was um I've got to I've got to move past this just being intellectual for me, mm-hmm. because uh, this was a challenging sermon. Because um, this is the first of the the five warning passages in the book, so I have to explain how are we supposed to interpret these warning passages. Well, this, on top of yeah, on top of all right, I've got to explain this particular one also. Right. So it's an introduction to the warning passages and it's verses one through four. So right. it was really challenging for me to make sure I was doing that in a clear way, but also not in a uh, an overly lengthy way. I couldn't spend half the sermon talking about the warning passages. But you did have to explain them. But I did have to explain them. Um, but that can that can lead me to just this intellectual. Right. Um, study. Sure. And I had to move past that to th- this. I If I'm going to preach this, if I'm going to preach this to the best of my ability, I have to think about it and apply it to myself, and I have to deal with this. Uh-huh. And uh, so that was, I mean, that, that's the duty of the pastor. Right. I don't mean that as we're, you know, begrudgingly doing this. Right. It, it is a, it's a blessing to be able to do this. Yeah. We, I get more out of, of studying this than I'm able to communicate to the the church on you know for an hour right. on a Sunday morning. I, I'm dealing with this for you know ten, twenty, thirty hours a week. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, trying to do this, and that's but where I it's, disagree. It's like, the duty where I have to I have to make sure I'm I'm not just presenting it to everyone right. else. I have to first feed on God's word myself, and that's you know I, it's a sidebar. Not, but it, it would be good for clarification. A duty can also be a joy, and that's right. where I would disagree with John Piper. Right. All right. But it's your duty to love your wife. Right. 
but it should also be your greatest joy. Right. Right. <laughs> like they're not exclusive. Yeah, they're not exclusive. Right. So same it's thing. Not, for, they're not contradictory terms. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think he presents them though sometimes like they are. But you you're right in saying this is a duty. And it and it is a uh it is a duty. You're obligated to do this because you're an under shepherd right. of the chief shepherd. It's what he expects you to do. Yeah. So if he expects you to do it, it then has to become a duty, right? Yep. And I thought it was really good. So let's, before we jump in and have you read the text, <clears throat> let's explain what do we mean by warning passages? Because the book is kind of arranged by these five warning passages, and you've said that, but yeah. I'll just, I'll bring it out right in the open, okay? okay. So we're from the, there's, there's a, imagine the Christian world as a house, the Protestant Christian world as a house. Um, inside that house, you've got a couple streams. One of them would say, hey, you can become a Christian and then lose your salvation. And they would jump on these warning passages to show that. Then they would say, hey, Calvinists, well, those that say you can never lose your salvation, and that would be like traditionally most all Baptists, though there are free will Baptists. But in the other side of the house where we are, we say once Christ saves you, He'll never let you fall away. Mm -hmm. You're going to make it to the end. Right. He doesn't lose any of his own. You can't lose your salvation. And so the five warning passages become like a a big point of contention between these two groups. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of even Baptists that believe you can't lose your salvation, they they struggle with all right, I believe that you can't lose your salvation because there are just a whole host of of scriptures in the New Testament that that teach that clearly. Mm -hmm. Christ will not lose those that have been given to him by the Father. Um, it, it, he he came to do the will of his Father, and his the will of his Father is that he loses none of them. But he raises right? them up on the last day. Yeah, they they come to him. Uh, he never casts them out, and he raises them up on the last day. Sounds like John uh, six. It sounds like you can't lose your salvation. Yeah, right? John six. Right. John ten. No one will snatch them out right. of my hand. Yeah. Um, Philippians one six, you know, he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion. Mm -hmm. um, for, uh, First Corinthians chapter one, I, I love how Paul begins First Corinthians because you read the rest of the book and you're thinking these are terrible, <laughs> these are terrible Christians, <laughs> they're terrible, uh, they've got all these problems. How does Paul address them at the beginning of First Corinthians? He he talks to them like they're Christians, mm -hmm. and he says that God is faithful; He will keep you; um, He will present you. Without blemish, mm. that's good news for Christians who struggle um, with sin, um, because it's not so much our hold on Christ so much as His hold on us. Right, um, and there's there's just so many Romans eight, uh, the end of Jude. Yeah, um, it, you just can't go through them all. Yeah, and I, I would even argue all the way back in the Old Testament, the the very nature of the new covenant in Jeremiah thirty one um, would mean that you cannot lose your salvation. Because God does these things, right, right. Um, but then you get to the warning passages, and they're strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one that we're looking at today is is the softest of uh -huh. the five, right? Um, but you get to chapter six, and people don't know what to do with it. Uh -huh. um, it it becomes uh, kind of a hypothetical, right? And I don't think that that does justice to what these warning passages actually are. Okay. So how do you think these warning passages are functioning? I think we have the same view of them. Yeah, I, I think that the warning passages are serving as warnings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, it's in the very name, warning passages. Um, so what's a what's a warning sign at the Grand Canyon meant to do? It says there's a, there's a cliff here, yeah. right? You, if you walk out this far... Chances are you're going to fall and die. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You don't. You read the warning. You believe it, <clears> right? <throat> you don't say, "Ah, this is someone that's just being overly cautious." You right. believe it that if, these people, <laughs> these people know what they're talking about. Yeah. They put out this warning: you're going to fall and die. You believe it. You don't walk out there. I like the one you gave of a bottle of uh, poison or bleach. Yeah, or bleach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got you got the warning. you got the warning on it. This is this is poisonous. If you drink this, you will get sick and die. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You don't look at it and say, you know what? Just a sip. 
(laughs) (laughs) You you believe it. You you don't drink the bleach. Right. Um, And so you don't die. The warning passages are serving the same the same purpose. the The author of Hebrews is saying he's he's addressing real Christians, and I think we see that because he includes himself. Mm-hmm. We must pay much closer attention. So he's not excluding himself, and I think that every every person that reads this would agree. We don't know who the author is, but the author is obviously a Christian, mm-hmm. right? He's he's inspired <laughs> by God to write scripture. Um, he's a believer. Um. So he's addressing real Christians, and he is going to say things like, if you do this, if you don't obey these warnings, um, there is no longer a sacrifice for you. That sounds like losing your salvation. Right. That sounds like like judgment, Mm -hmm. um, damnation. But he writes these passages so that you're warned so that you won't do these things. Right, so you know. And, and we know from the, the rest <clears throat> of the New Testament, the promises that we have, that Christ keeps his people. He keeps his sheep. They, right. they will persevere to the end, but they don't persevere by some kind of magical once saved, always saved. They persevere through the means of things like these warning passages. So means, explain to that. So let's break that down, because people may hear the word, they may not really understand what is meant by that. Yeah. What do we mean by God uses means in the Christian life, because really it starts at the very beginning of the Christian life. Yeah. Right? So we're... Because people would say, well, we'll yeah. one thing they'll say against, you know, Calvin is like, hey, mm-hmm. you believe that? Why even evangelize? <laughs> Which <laughs> right, is right. a ridiculous rebuttal. Yeah. And just, we don't even need, it doesn't need well, seriously well, addressing. You've, you've, got, you've got Romans chapter 9. Yeah. Strong on God's sovereignty. Yeah. Um, strong on election. Um, God chooses those who will be saved. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 10, how will they believe on the one that they've never heard? And how will they hear unless someone preaches to them? Yeah. So faith comes by hearing yeah. and hearing through the word of Christ. So we we are reformed. So the means. We, we believe that God has, has chosen, he has predestined a uh-huh. people. Um, those people will come to Christ um, and be saved. But God has chosen in his sovereignty and his good pleasure to use the means of preaching. Human He's, means. He uses the means of the word. Yeah. So people don't come to faith in Christ without hearing, hearing, hearing right? Um, and so that's, that's what we mean by the means. So that's a means. God's, God's people, um, God, God has promised that he is, um, he is working all things for their good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still instructs them to pray. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the blessings of the new covenant is that uh, God will give His Spirit to His people. Mm-hmm. Jesus teaches His disciples, pray for the Holy Spirit. Right. God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Mm-hmm. Well, which one is it? Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> right. It's both. It's both. Um, God God does it, but He does it through means. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's the same with with uh, with perseverance, with um, suffering, fi- with fi- yeah, with suffering. Suffering yeah. is a mean God uses to conform right. us into Christ's image. Yeah. Um, so God God has chosen to use means. Um, he He uses things to accomplish His purposes. And one of those means are these warning passages. And warning passages aren't just found in Hebrews. They're found all over the place Uh um, in the Bible. Um, And the way that I think that we're supposed to interpret them is as warnings. God has given us these warnings. They're they're like these big flashing red neon signs that are saying, there's danger here. If If you... if you persist in sin, if you neglect this great salvation, if you if you um, hold up Christ to contempt uh, by denying Him, there's danger, and you will apostatize. You will you will be damned. Mm-hmm. Well, in God's grace, by the power of His Spirit, um, God uses these means. The elect will read these warnings. They'll believe them. They won't. They won't. Go past the sign, mm-hmm. right? Um, they'll they will stay as far away. They'll they will trust. They'll cling to Christ. They'll say, "Christ, I, I am prone to do these things. Keep me, help me." Um, and then, by God's grace, we believe that um, so all, all of God's people, all of Christ's people, will persevere to the end. So Brooke asked me. She said, "So does it mean if someone ignores these warning passages and falls away, 
that they were never a Christian. And so I had to be like, yeah, that's what it means. We can talk about it more later. But yeah. um, so Christ, Christ's sheep will hear yeah. his voice in the warning passages and those, huh, I'm not even going to get close yeah, I don't, to doing I, that. I, it, this is a real danger. I, I think the I think the problem with seeing this as hypothetical or as kind of this um, examine yourself to see if you're really a Christian. I think I think it kind of softens that. Mm-hmm. I think we need to see this as there is a real danger. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I think that we we and the Arminians actually can come to an agreement that that these passages are teaching that you can you can be saved and lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. But the difference is we believe in perseverance. We believe that God keeps his people and that they won't actually lose their salvation. Right. So there's real danger, but we're kept safe by Christ. Right. I, I love what Charles Hodge says. He, he says it just in this very clear, just one sentence that helps us to understand the warning passages. He says, God's telling the elect that if they apostatize, they will perish, prevents their apostasy. Right. Yeah, it's very good, very clear. I, th- I think that's yeah. I think that's exactly how we're supposed to look at these warning passages. Right. God is warning. This this is an actual danger. This is a real danger for real Christians, and by Him telling us, we don't do it. Right, and that's and this is the means that He uses. To yeah, keep, this is the means. Yeah. It's almost this. This is what people need to understand about like the the human will is a complex thing. Yeah, like Luther dealt with this. Back in his day, it's actually the the chief issue, even among like how are you saved to begin with. But I think perhaps in looking at that, we're looking at the flip side of it. So people say, um, one of the things they would try to use to weaponize against those who believe the Reformed faith is they say, you believe God is calling people to salvation. He's calling them to do something that they can't do. Yeah, and that's that's what they 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 say. They say, and, and that's not. That's not correct. Mm-hmm. That would be like God telling you to fly. Right. But that's not what, what's happening. See, the, the deal is is that you can. You have everything uh, that you need to believe the gospel. God's given you a mind, a heart, and a will. So right. the issue is not do you have all the faculties needed to hear the gospel and believe. You can. The problem is is you never will okay. because your will is so, so corrupted. You don't want to. You're self-corrupted in your will so you never will respond. Right. And that's a major difference. Yeah. Um, that's dealt with in The Gospel Worthy of All Acceptation and by Jonathan Edwards in his work on the will. Mm-hmm. And the flip side of that then being, could you, and of course the answer must be yes, because God is warning you not to. Right. But for the Christian, they never will. Yeah. Right. So it's a reversal almost. Yeah. You see what I mean? Uh-huh. Because you've, you've been given a new heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the Christian, they have an affection towards Christ. Right. They don't want to leave him. Yeah. I um, mean, these warning passages are again helping us with that. And I, I think, I think that we we can understand it a little bit more because as I'm looking through these warning passages, it seems like after every warning passage, he gives encouragement and hope. Yeah. So he's not, he's not. Um, these are warnings, they're not descriptions. Right. So he's not saying you have done this. He's not saying examine yourself to see if you've done this or not. Right. He's warning them not Don't to do, do it, it because right. he, after every warning, he gives some encouragement. So chapter six is one of the strongest warning passages. It's right. the one that people have such a hard time with. But right immediately after the warning passage, he says, now we're, we are, we're hopeful of better things concerning right. you. Right. So he's saying you haven't done it. Right, right, <laughs> be right. warned not to do this and we're we're confident that you won't do this right i right. mean um, he he does the same thing in chapter 10 he gives this big warning and he says but we're not those who fall away we're those who have faith and persevere yeah i like uh we'll move on have you read and we'll jump in because i think we could even bring up some real life uh description so people can kind of see what it looks like to begin to drift yeah and i think everybody can even identify with even drifting to a degree if they're honest with themselves, but oh yeah, I got off the bus at Fort Benning, Georgia, for basic training. I've told you this before. Drill sergeant says, "Welcome to Fort Benning, Georgia. You will drink water or you will die." <laughs> All right, that's a warning, right? It's a warning. And then yeah. guess what he did? He didn't like keep water away from us, right? They're like, "Here's water everywhere." Yeah. So drink it. Yeah. So you won't die. Right. That's and almost that's, like what that's, Hebrews. The, that's the warning passages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see that. I I'm I'm still I'm still toying with how exactly. 
to to look at the next passage for next week, but I think that it's it's meant as hope, yeah, yeah, um, and encouragement because you're looking at these warning passages; they're strong, um, and I I don't think that the author is is leaving you there to um, persevere on your own. Mm. I think he I think after every warning passage, he gives hope, yeah, and yeah. that's <laughs> that's what we need desperately. Yeah, here's a bunch um, of water. Yeah, yeah, here's here's water. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> So uh, yeah, let's. Can I go. use that? Can I use that next? For year? sure, <laughs> you can use it. All right, let's have you read this, uh, starting in chapter two, verse one. Okay. All right. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. All right. Very good. All right. And pull up my notes here. You had three main points um, as you moved through the text. Your main thesis statement is there here today in the text, you're going to see three reasons why we must pay attention to what we have heard. And that's exactly what he says. Therefore, we must pay closer attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the overarching yeah. idea. And so we'll work through these. So okay. the first one is, the first reason why we must pay close attention to what we have heard is because there's a real danger of drifting away. Yeah. Not a theoretical one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I always think of uh, you know the hymn "Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing." The third verse is, "I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Mm. Prone to leave the God I love." Um, it, this, the the language here is very nautical. Um, and Julia was telling me she used to live in Florida, and they'd swim out in the ocean, and she'd say she would remember like you swim out. And you start to drift. Yeah, like before you know it, you're <laughs> you're you're a, a lot farther from where you started. Yeah. Um. Here's here's the here's the beach where you started, and you're you're way over here. Yeah. Not because of um you know intentionally swimming, but because the the ocean is causing you to it's just carrying you. Away. It's just carrying you away. That's the same kind of idea that's being used here. It's um the the ideas of an unanchored ship. That's just kind of floating. Mm. Um, it doesn't just stay still. It goes along with the current of of the river or the ocean, um, and you don't even have to do anything. You just let it go, right? Right, and you'll you'll just drift away. Yeah. Um, the Christian life is it's just like that. the The current of um, this world and the opinions of fallen the fallen civilization and our own sin nature, um, the pressures of unbelieving friends and neighbors and coworkers, um, all of these things are a current. Right. And if we're not careful, if if we if we aren't deliberately um, trying to be anchored, we'll just go with the current. Yeah. And you, yeah. you see that. You see that all the time. Uh-huh. Um, you, you see that with people who make a profession of faith at you know, Falls Creek. They come home. It's really easy to be a Christian at Falls Creek. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you, you're, you're surrounded by, by you know, quote-unquote Christians. You go to a worship service. You're always hearing you know, Christian music and preaching. And, and then you come home and... There's TV, and there's your unbelieving friends, and there's there's all these things that um, are pushing against you. And uh, where where are these all these converts? Where's all the numbers that we're being told are uh, are trusting Christ at False Creek? They're way downstream, right? right. <laughs> they're they're gone uh, because there's there's a real danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, so if you don't actively do something, yeah. You will just be swept along, right? You don't. You, you just all you have to do is nothing. Yeah, and then you start to go in the wrong direction. Yeah, 
goodness, I, I didn't, this already was a long sermon. Um, Philip did me a, a solid. I, w- I didn't ask him to, but he cut out a song yesterday. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'd have a little bit more time. Um, there was a Spurgeon quote that I found. And Spurgeon said, you know, it's not, uh, the, the sick person doesn't have to go out and commit suicide. All he has to do is not take the medicine that the doctor prescribed. Mm. Yeah. Same, same effect, right? Right. Um, you don't have to, you don't ha- even that have That probably to. would have hit different for Philip. Yeah. Because yeah. he had pneumonia right. real bad. Yeah, they yeah. had to get him some superpower drugs to help yeah. him out. Um, it's, you don't even have to, you don't even have to actively um, do anything. You could just do passively be doing nothing. Yeah. Um, the Christian life is not for lazy people. Right. It just isn't. Yeah. Um, you have to be act. You have to be active. You have to be diligent. Like you said um, in our closing, um, after this, after the sermon, you know, so there's, a, there's a reason why the Christian faith is often described as um, a race. Mm-hmm. Um, athletic imagery is all over Paul's writings, or being a soldier, or being a farmer. Uh, those are all active occupations. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a lazy farmer. Yeah, it's no good. You're right? Go broke. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, what happens to lazy soldiers, Jay? Yeah, they they don't make it. They die. And of course, you can't be an athlete if you don't train every day. Yeah. You're just gonna get fat and slow. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Same same thing with Christianity. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yep. So we there's this very real danger of drifting away. Um, and I thought this was a good portion. You kind of gave some application yeah there are three three kind of categories categories yeah or ways that you see that people are, are drifting away or can right. drift away uh-huh. first one you brought up was theological yeah there's a theological theological drift past past uh century past hundred years has shown this to be very true past 10 years <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> shown this to be true on a closer level yeah right. yeah right right yeah just the theological drift you see it in the mainline Protestant denominations, right. and we talked about it on uh, on free for all. Yeah, you know the uh, United Methodist Church, the Episcopalian Church, uh, the the PCUSA, how they've gone soft on homosexuality. Now, how did the drift start? People may be curious. How does theological drift begin? It all seems to, and you can correct me if you've seen something different, but it all seems to go back to um, the inerrancy of Scripture. Mm-hmm. It always seems to go back to that. Right. Um, you go back a hundred years, and what were they? What what was creeping into the churches? Right. It was theological liberalism. What did that look like? It was denying the inerrancy of Scripture, usually in regards to origins. Yeah, yeah. So evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, the the liberals would be adopting. They'd be going soft on the inerrancy of Scripture in Genesis. Right. It's the uh, it's you know the William Lane Craig stuff that we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago, um, going soft on this stuff. Right. Um, well, the Bible says this, but science says this, um, and so we're going to go with science, and we're yeah. going to try to make the Bible fit with with that. It's it's you know it's mytho historical. Yeah, and they'll do things or just like, myth. Th- they'll do things like I'm getting ready to preach through Habakkuk, so there's a. A spoiler alert. That's what's coming after John, right? Yeah. So they'll do things. It's higher criticism. Uh-huh. Uh, they'll do it with John, too, but they do it with Habakkuk. So I'll give you both examples. Habakkuk uh, is given this prophecy about 20 years before uh, anyone even has ever heard of the nation of Babylon. They're, yeah. they're nobodies, <clears throat> and God's given this great warning, right, that he's going to raise them up. They're going to destroy and completely decimate the people of Israel. And people will say, oh, well, yeah, that was written after the fact as the community. Habakkuk didn't even really write it. It's written by like this community of scholars right. who are grappling with the fact that uh, David's dynasty has been destroyed mm-hmm. and is, is God broken his promises. And so they come up with this theory and they wrote Habakkuk. Right. It's the same with Daniel, right? <laughs> right. Because Daniel's prophecies are so accurate, mm-hmm. they had to have been written after the fact. Right. There's, I mean, no, there's no there's no possible way that that God is actually telling Daniel what's going to happen. Yeah, down to like Alexander the Great. Right. It's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Same thing they do with John. They'll say 
They yeah. call it, but if you're reading a commentary, you might think this commentary is all right, and then you see the words the Johannine community. Community, right? <laughs> like, what does that mean? And they mean a, a a group of Christians, right? Who are who are saying they're John, yeah, and they wrote John, yeah. It's just it's liberalism, so it, call, mm-hmm. it makes you doubt the authority of the Bible, yeah. Like, and then next thing you know, you're just jettisoning your belief on. Like sexual well, morality, you've got, you've got them, you know, um, watering down what Paul says. Well, that was just cultural, right? Um, they're redefining what the terms are in the New Testament that are translated as homosexuality. Yeah, and they've got these theories that it was translated differently until right. you know early early 1900s, and then they started bringing in these foreign terms, and it didn't really mean that. Right. And right. this this is all theological drift. Right, it's all theological. And drift. next thing you know, George, you're having give communion to your dog day. Right, <laughs> right, right. You've yeah. ju- you've out with inerrancy. Yeah, right. Whoever wants to be a pastor can be a pastor. No yeah, more. You've got a guy. You got a guy dressed like a girl. He yeah. thinks that he's a woman now, and he's you know doing communion. But the but the the wafer and the wine aren't actually even there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. Ridiculous stuff, mm-hmm. ridiculous stuff, and this is theological drift. And yeah, some of this is so outlandish that you know most Southern Baptist churches are like, "That's never going to happen right. here." Oh, be careful! There's no way that um, the Presbyterians of 200 years ago thought that their denomination was going to be going the direction that it was. And I think it was just a few short years ago, the PCA, PCUSA opened their, their nationwide meeting by praying to Allah. Mm. (laughs) Like don't, don't be cocky. Yeah. That's the whole point of the warning passage. It's so that you're not lazy. It's, it's so that you don't have this pride and say, this could never happen. Um, yeah, it absolutely could. And it almost did with the, with the Southern Baptist, uh, back in the seventies and eighties. Right. Yeah. My, my dad went to uh Midwestern in the late seventies, I believe. Yeah. Late seventies. And he said, you know, his, his new Testament professor would be telling them like Jesus didn't do any miracles. Mm. And he's like totally flabbergasted. just caught off yeah. guard. Like what in the world is happening? Yeah. Like Jesus is the miracle Jesus did was he inspired people to share. <laughs> All right. Like he didn't really he didn't really feed the five thousand. He just yeah. got people to not be selfish and share. What a savior, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah. So the conservative resurgence happened uh-huh. and they kicked all of those professors out. But it was a big battle, man. It wasn't even like a like it was a fight over it. Mm-hmm. Whether they should go or not, you know? Yeah. And who was gonna control right. the SBC and Yeah, so theological drift is always a problem. Mm-hmm. And again, the problem, the the danger of drifting is that it doesn't happen all at once. Right. It happens slowly over decades. So I, I mentioned the, it's like, um, it's, I, I mentioned those, you know, the the uh, Christian deconstruction, the ex evangelicals, right. like like Joshua Harris, people like that. Um, yeah, that's a Ke- Kevin Max from yeah. DC Talk. You remember DC Talk, uh-huh. don't you? Don't you, Jack? Which one's Kevin? Uh, goodness. Well, he's not Toby Mac. And he's not uh, Michael Michael Tate. Michael Tate is uh, with Audio- new, Newsboys. New- okay, he's with Newsboys. Toby Mac does his own thing. Okay, Kevin Max is the other guy. All right, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> yeah, but he said he came out what last year and said he's no longer a a, a Christian. Mm. Um, he said that he's been de- deconstructing his faith for a decade. Right. Did no one know? Like it's so subtle. Right, um, ten years—that's you know—that's a long time. Uh-huh. And, I bet you. Uh, I bet so you. he didn't. He didn't just. He didn't just wake up one day. I'm not a Christian. It was a slow, a slow process that ended in. I just don't believe this stuff anymore. Right. And and just um, owning it. Yeah. That could happen. That can happen to. That could happen to us. The problem of evil is that a lot. The root of a lot of these at the begin at the beginning. Yeah, that's why. That's why I thought it was so important to deal yeah. with that Pro- problem of evil or um, temptation. Temptation, especially the sexual, sexual immorality. The sexual immorality. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they so, got to justify that it got that you know first or like justify it. God would be okay with it. Then eventually, it's, right. God's not even real. We've well, got the you've you've got the the 
pull of the culture that is saying that love is love and um you know how 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 can a good god ever judge any of this so this theological drift it 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 waters down the exclusivity of Christ, the holiness of God. Really, it doesn't matter if you're anything other than sincere. As long as you're sincere, God, God is a you know if He's really good, if He's really loving, then He can't judge. Right, right. Um, that's all theological drift, mm-hmm. and we see it all over the place. And so, so they, they've got to justify homosexuality. They have to justify abortion. They have to justify this stuff. Yeah. So the affections. Yeah. I think plays into this as well. Even mm-hmm. in, they're all tied together. But yeah, that's yeah. the second one you said is you're a, you're quickly able to drift in your affections. Yeah. So let's discuss that because I think that's if people were to that have drifted, maybe you're listening and you are seeing that there are some drift in your affections. How does this begin to happen? Yeah. First off, where did you get the idea that we can drift in our affections? Because you had a very specific example. Well, I um, I suggested to Philip that for our scripture reading that we do Revelation chapter 2 mm-hmm. with the church of Ephesus because I think it's a church that's drifting um, because Jesus says that you've abandoned your first love. So something in their affections has shifted. Mm-hmm. They still can can check off the, you know, the boxes for their theological... Um, orthodoxy yeah but their affections their affections have drifted right yeah um and then the other example is demas um at the end of of second timothy um paul says that that demas for the love of this present world he's left me mm-hmm. um so his That's affections, a good example his affections have shifted from i love christ to i love this world right now we don't know exactly what that means does it mean that that demas wants to go and make money does it mean that um, you know the morality that he, that he wants to adopt is what the world accepts? But could Christianity be a lot of things, is not. Yeah. It could be all kinds of things. But the but the the main issue is the heart, right? Right. His something is wrong with his heart. He has lost his affection for Christ, and he's loving something else more. And what does that lead him to do? Leads him to leave Paul. Right. Um. He's he's with Paul at the end of Colossians. Um. He's one of the guys that that Paul says. Demas sends his greetings. He's back. Now in 2 Timothy, he's gone. Right. He's gone. But he comes back. But uh, uh, There's a text that would seem to imply that. I can't remember which one it is, mm. but that he's... Is it, is it no? Is it Demas? No, it's not Demas. No, I'm sorry. 2, I'm thinking 2 of, Timothy is Paul's right. last letter, Yeah, and, and Demas is gone. Yeah, he's gone. Who? Else? There's another that I'm thinking of. There's Mark. You're thinking about Mark? I am. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. So there's the split between uh-huh. the two. Yeah. And before it's over though, they're reconciled. Right. And he's back. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the Demas passage is a sad passage. It is. And I can think yeah. of a few people in my life uh, that were friends that uh that verse applies to. Mm-hmm. It's and it's it's tied to the theological drift. Right. I've got a guy that I, I can't help but thinking about. I was good friends with him in college and at the time, I would have said he was a more mature Christian than I was. Um, he started to allow that theological drift, start questioning, you know, the the inerrancy of Scripture, and uh, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, um, and it's it's tied to your affections. Also, what do you love more? Do you love God's Word, or do you love? <clears throat> I'll si- tell you where science I'll or tell the you, culture uh, or or you know name it. I'll tell you where this can be seen in a very practical way, two two ways, because this is this is what we try to do, like bring out more right. real life examples to be on guard of. Parents, many who have like made a strong confession, we say are mature believers, their children grow up and their children leave the faith or adopt a liberal form of it to where like maybe they become uh, homosexual, they're mm-hmm. homosexual, or they're in that lifestyle. Yeah. And then what you find is the parent, instead of affirming what God says clearly, yeah, either outright just totally apostatizing, leaving mm-hmm. the faith, or then adopting their children's view. Yeah. And so I think what that reveals is the first love. Mm-hmm. What, what, who was your first love all along? Right. It was never really Christ. It was, it was your children. Yeah. And wherever your children go, you're willing to go. Right. 
And that's just not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, you know, I don't like so. For instance, and knowing that this these things happen, and that you know, even my children are not uh, immune. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think that they are because they both are professing believers. I right. always tell them, "I love you guys, and I love you unconditionally." Yeah, you could never do anything that would make me not love you. But I love Jesus more than you. Yeah, and if you apostatize, I will not side with you. Yeah, it'll make things really weird. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I won't be the one making them weird. Yeah, I'll be the one not moving. Mm. So you just need to know that, right? Like I, I, I'll never not love you, but I'm not going to follow you like some parents do. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of examples out there of, of pastors that say, "Well, I, you know, I held to this view of homosexuality, but then my know, child, my, my child came out, right. and and it caused me to to reevaluate." Right. Well, the Bible didn't change. Right. <laughs> the, the meaning of God's word hasn't changed. That's right. Yeah. Um, you're just going with the culture and uh, wherever your child is mm-hmm. is being being taken. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. Yeah. And so another a, another is from your friends. You yeah. Know, we had a, um, a a church member really struggle with this. Her best friend invited her to her wedding. She was marrying another woman. Mm. And she wouldn't do it. And she, so there were exchanges of letters, and it was really, really tough. You know, yeah. a lot, of, a lot of people will will cave at that point because right. they don't want to lose their friendship. Mm-hmm. They love their friend. Um, but in this case, a great example: this person, their affections never drifted, mm-hmm. and they were willing to let go of another, um, you know, a friend that they loved because yeah. they loved Christ more. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it was, it but was, you got you got to be prepared. The, these warning passages—they're not meant for you to to look at, you know, in hindsight. Right? They're, you need to have these front and center, knowing um, where the culture is going, where the where the current is trying to to push you, and yes. you need to drop anchor and you need to weather the weather yeah. it. Right? You, need, you need to look at the out at the world and say, how could I be vulnerable mm-hmm. to being influenced in this fashion right. beforehand? Yeah. So, and the, think about these, it, yeah. God's word has been given to us so that we'll, we'll know what's going to happen right? and we'll be prepared for it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Uh, drift, the third one was drifts away. We, we are able, we're prone to drifting away in our work as well, so mm-hmm. theologically and our, then in our affections. And I think what kind of just flows naturally out of that would be in our work. Mm-hmm. So explain that. Well, it could also um, it could lead to the greater drift uh-huh. because um, you drift in no longer attending church on a regular basis. Goodness, we've seen that in the last year, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Um, churches certainly haven't helped that with... Uh, just allowing people to stay at home um, and do live stream. That's ah, just as good. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, we, we get out of the habit of, of attending church. Um, that's, that's another means, right? Mm-hmm. That's a means to keep God's people. It's not just a, a, a good idea. It's not a suggestion. Right. Um, it's not if you feel like it. Uh-huh. Like it's a means of of grace to keep you. you. You need to be surrounded by other believers that can hold you accountable. Um, we get out of habit in, in our our Bible reading and our prayer time, um, and just not killing sin. If you're just not killing sin in your life, um, you're just going to drift. Mm-hmm. You're just going to drift. Um, we we can think of people in the Bible. I think, I think that goes hand in hand though with the Bible reading because yeah. I think what you brought up is you said if you're drifting and they're probably. Honestly, there probably are people in every church, including ours, that mm-hmm. are drifting. Yeah. You said you're probably not reading your Bible. Yeah. Well, if you are reading your Bible, what's going to happen is it's because this is the means God uses through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You're going to be convicted of sin and be killing sin. Yeah. You can't be reading your Bible and just be like not killing sin. <laughs> right. So if you're not doing that, same with prayer. Yeah. Same with prayer. Um, you know, the hardest times to pray are when I, I know that I've sinned, I need to confess, but part of me is still not, not wanting to confess. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's the hardest time to pray. Well, if, I, if I'd been praying, if I'd been devoting myself to prayer, that sin wouldn't have even had a chance. Mm. Um, it, it wouldn't have even um, popped up on the radar. Mm-hmm. But we, uh, we, we, go, we, we grow weary 
Um, we grow lazy. Um, I, I think a word that I don't know probably has negative connotations, especially in our culture. The a word that that we need to really get back into use is piety. Mm. Like we need to be pious. Um, what that means is that we're devoted to we're devoted to heavenly things, to mm-hmm. spiritual matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of the Puritans and their piety. Mm-hmm. Like everything that they did was was centered around Christ. Um, that didn't mean that they were hermits. That they went out and they had jobs and they, you know, were were godly. They were they were men and women of the world. Um, they were they were out in the world, but they were living pious lives, and uh, people knew. Um, that we need to get back to that. Mm. We need to get back to living a pious life. Um, that doesn't mean that we we become monks, um, but it means that in our our attitude and our thoughts, our affections, um, our the things that we pursue, um, where we want Christ, we want to know Christ. Mm. Um, and if we would get back to um, diligently pursuing these things, um, it would keep us from drifting. Yeah, good. So pay attention, right? Mm-hmm. Second, um, we need to. Second reason we need to pay all the more closer attention to what we've heard is because we will not escape final judgment. Yeah. That's your second point. Mm-hmm. We will not escape final judgment. And here in this section, you kind of compare, well, because the text does. <laughs> right. The two covenants, really, and who delivered those covenants. So let's let's talk about that. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't shifted from talking about angels. Mm-hmm. Um that that big number two. It's a helpful chapter division, but um, the topic stays the same. So the topic, we're going to be talking about angels the rest of chapter two. Um, he, he keeps bringing up angels. Um, but he, now he's really bringing out why he's talking about angels. And we talked about this uh, several weeks ago. It's not because there's angel worship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because there was um, this idea that the law was delivered somehow through angels, and so he's going to the author is going to argue from the lesser to the greater. So um, if if the law was delivered through angels, then how much greater is the message that was delivered through Christ? Right. Yeah, right. Right. Um, so it, uh, Deuteronomy chapter thirty three verse two, um, Acts chapter seven verse fifty three, and Galatians three nineteen. Um, Moses, Stephen, Paul, they all. Um, use this this idea of the the law came through the angels mm-hmm. now they don't go into great detail about what that means um and that's not that's not even the the big the biggest point the biggest point is that here's the law and the law was accompanied by stipulations um if you do this if you obey you'll experience blessings if you reject if you disobey you'll experience curses and judgment Mm -hmm. and there's i mean you don't have to read very far in the old testament to see that right um the whole (laughs) the whole history of israel is them experiencing curses (laughs) because of their disobedience and he tells them beforehand too it's not like it's a question right it's like here's the covenant Uh here's the covenant blessings right Here's what will happen if you break covenant. Yeah, the covenant cursings. Read, read Deuteronomy 27 and 28. There, yeah. it's just a list. Right. Like, here's what's going to happen. Right. There's even there's even um, uh, narrative examples. There's a, a guy in uh, in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus 24. Um, he blasphemes the name of God. Um, he takes God's name in vain, and they kill him. Um, th- God says put this one to death. Um, in Numbers uh, chapter 14, I think, there's a man who is caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. He's working. Right. Um, intentionally breaking the Sabbath. Right. They ask God, what, what's to be done with him? God says, stone him to death. Like this, here's the, here is the, uh, like the text says, every transgression or disobedience was met with just um, retribution. Mm. If this is the case under the law that was delivered through angels, then verse three, how then are we going to escape if we neglect such a great salvation? 
So he's arguing from the lesser to the greater. The right. law, here's here's the threat of the law. If you neglect the gospel, mm-hmm. well, how are you going to escape? Yeah. And there's only one answer. Like it's not a uh <laughs> he's not asking he's not asking a real question, right? He's asking a rhetorical question. <laughs> he's not saying Look, can, can you guys think of some kind of way that we could escape this? No, the, the only answer is you can't. It's, in, it's impossible. You couldn't escape the just retribution under the law, so you are not going to escape the justice of uh, neglecting the gospel. So Jesus' revelation in the New Covenant is vastly superior. Mm-hmm. It has a superior messenger, yeah. God, God himself, <laughs> right. In human flesh delivers mm-hmm. the message of hope and salvation. Yeah. And it's a superior covenant as well. Yeah. Because it is available to every single person that would respond to Christ and this message. And it's it's it is enacted upon a better sacrifice. Yeah. Which will and and that's the, and the, the, the book is going to unpack this uh-huh. um in great detail. Like if the if the blood of bulls and goats uh, was shed for the for the um, you know the institution of the law, the blood of Christ has been shed for the new covenant, and he's talking to people who are in the new covenant. Like right. we can't we can't miss this. We can't we can't suddenly jettison that. He is talking to Christians. He's talking to people who have said, "I am um, repenting of my sins. I am trusting in Christ. I believe that His death on the cross was for my sins." I am trusting in that now because of pressure and persecution and um, you know difficulties. Now they're saying, "Hold uh, up, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go back." Mm-hmm. And he's saying, "Look, there's nothing to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ has come. He is superior. He's infinitely superior to the angels. And the message that he declares is infinitely more important than that which came through the angels. The law." with the temple and the priest and the animal sacrifices and the rituals. Um, if, if this is what happened under the law, if we neglect this great salvation, if you, if you leave, you will not escape. You won't escape judgment. Right. Um, you, you can't go back to the temple and the animal sacrifices because they've been done away with mm-hmm. because Christ and the revelation of God through Christ um, has, has annihilated um, the law. And we're, we're, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep building on this. We're gonna keep seeing this as we go through the book, mm-hmm. um, and so they need to be careful that they pay attention to the message of the gospel because if they neglect it, then they're going to suffer final judgment. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna suffer um, the the wrath of God. Mm. Yeah, and the same for us. Yeah, same for us. Um, if you if you're claiming to be a Christian, and through you know because the culture is going some direction or a friend is going some direction and you're saying, well, you know, I don't want to be a part of that uh, fundamentalist, you know, Christ fellowship church that holds that, you know, homosexuality is a sin. Right. I'm going to go over to this church. That's lighter on that. Um, you're, you're neglecting this great salvation. You're, you are abandoning your, your profession. You will not escape judgment. Right. So you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the second reason because we will not escape final judgment. And I like also before we move on, you say because it is a great salvation. Mm-hmm. We have such a great salvation. We yeah. can just easily slide past that. Yeah. But we have this great salvation that's been given to us. Um, and I put it in. I, I put lines around it. It is a great salvation. Right. I wrote that. So if God has given you something, that's the greatest gift that He could ever give you. Yeah. Um, how 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 could we neglect it? Right. But the warning is there. And I think that that's that's why we drift. Right. We have to pay attention to this message. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of Christians, and I I think for a lot of churches, the gospel is your entryway into you know Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of gets pushed to the side so you can have right. your, you know, 10 ways to have a healthy marriage. Right. right. And the gospel is not front and center. And you see that in a lot of churches because they'll, they'll, they will have a, a sermon on, you know, seven financial principles and the gospel is tacked on at the end. Sure. Um, or let's exegete the movies. <laughs> right. 
We're gonna have to show <laughs> right. that clip on Free for All Friday. I think that would be an excellent, <laughs> be an excellent thing for us to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this is a great salvation, mm-hmm. and we go back to you know, how Hebrews began this this superior revelation that's through Christ who is Christ. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, his work. He has made purification for sins, and he sat down. His work is done. Um, He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is Yahweh himself. Um, And so this is a great salvation. God has given us his Son, and through the blood of Christ, our sins have actually been forgiven. Um, we receive it by faith. We don't receive it by works. Uh, Christ is going to keep us. He's interceding for us. He's going to come again. This is a great salvation. How can we neglect this? Um, but we'll drift. We're, we're going to drift. Mm-hmm. Um, if, we, if we aren't constantly thinking about these things, um, we, we cannot be a Sunday morning Christian. We have to be Sunday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be thinking about this great salvation on a daily basis. We have to be meditating upon it. We have to be treasuring Christ. We have to be um, seeing it in the scriptures, living it out in our our day-to-day lives. Um, We have to pay attention. Right. Yeah, that's good. Okay, the third reason we must pay closer, all the more closer attention, is because there that this message has been verified because the message has been verified. Um, It's a superior messenger, superior message, and it's been verified. And so walk through us. I think it's right there in the passage. In what ways has this been verified? Well, again, he's, he's arguing from lesser to greater. So the law was declared by angels. Um, The gospel was declared at first by the Lord. Okay. So superior messenger. There we go. Right. That that's the whole reason why he spent all of chapter one saying that Jesus is superior to the angels, mm-hmm. because he's getting to this point. Um, Jesus is. He's not just another created being. He's not just uh, the best of all the angels. He is Yahweh Himself, mm. um, and he declared this message. So if this is what happens under the 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 message that was declared by the angels. Um, how much more, infinitely more um, important is the message that was declared by the Lord if um, the law was attested and it was verified, how much greater is the verification under the Lord? Mm-hmm. Right? So the Lord has declared it. Um, then it was attested to us by those who heard. Yeah. Um, so Jesus declares it. The apostles, the eyewitnesses, they attest to it. This is legal language. This is um, this is going on record, right? Um, in court, um, and they are saying, and I, I read from First John chapter one. You know the things that we've heard, the things that we've seen, the things that we've touched. Uh, we have heard it. We have seen it. John is using this this really visceral language um, to say, uh, "We're declaring these things to you." We didn't make this up. This was not uh, you know mass hallucination. This was not some dream that I had. I actually saw Jesus, I heard him, I've touched him, I'm declaring these things to you. That's what the apostles are doing. Yeah. They're, they're eyewitness accounts. But it's not just them, but God himself is bearing witness. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about this, and as you've been going through John, uh, God was, was attesting to Jesus through these works. Right? That's what the signs are, uh-huh. are about. It's, it's God is testifying to who Jesus is through the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, it's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has been given, um, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been evidenced. Uh, the apostles are doing signs and wonders. All of these things are bearing witness to the truthfulness of the message. Um, and he wouldn't have brought this up if, if the, the readers could have been like, I ain't never seen this. Huh. <laughs> right? Right. He's, he is sure that they have they've seen this stuff mm-hmm. that they've been a part of this, um, and I think that the uh, maybe the um, the pushback that that we could receive today is from people who've said, "I've never seen a miracle. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a sign." 
but we still have the resurrection of Christ. Um, we have the uh, veracity of eyewitness accounts. We're holding eyewitness accounts. Yeah. Uh, the the apostles they said we saw this and we wrote it down. Um, the the scriptures are self attesting. Uh huh. Um, and the Holy Spirit has still been poured out in the in the lives of believers. But again, we have to remember this is not he's not talking to unbelievers. He's not trying to give some apologetic for unbelievers. He's talking to people who are professing faith in Christ. Right. You have experienced this. Right. You have experienced the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Um, Paul in, in Galatians, he he says that the Spirit is the it is the he is the evidence of the truthfulness of the gospel. Right. Um, you you didn't receive the Spirit through works of the law, but by hearing through faith. But you have the Spirit. Uh, Romans chapter 80 says that if anyone doesn't have the Spirit, he's not actually a Christian. Right. Every Christian has the Spirit, um, and the Spirit is testifying to these things. So yeah. we don't we don't need we don't need to see signs and wonders. Uh, you don't need to get up and and you know perform some kind of miracle for for the the believers to say, oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You need the Bible. <laughs> there was an interesting clip I saw of John Lennox, you know, the apologist John Lennox, yeah. talking to uh, someone like at, at Cambridge or Oxford, and he'll debate like, you know, these are like high-level academians, like the, the smartest mathematicians in the world, which John Lennox is one of them. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that's his main job. He's a mathematician. But uh, one of these Darwinist kept saying things about things that could be tested and whatever, mm-hmm. and he would take a jab at Lennox and say, you're saying this stuff about Jesus, it can't be tested, blah, 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 and he'd move on. So Lennox was like, you need to hang on a second. I have tested it. I've tested it and experienced it and found it to be true. Right. And he was that's what he was trying to tell them. Yeah. Anyone else here could come and see right. if this is real, and test and taste and see that the Lord is good. Right. And the guy didn't really have a comeback for it. It was very interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, they have many things they believe without actual evidence. <laughs> yeah. And he's saying, I've actually tested this. Mm-hmm. I've done what we're called to do. And I found that he is real. Yeah. And he's ministered to me personally. Yeah. So I have tested it, and the guy was like dumbfounded that he would ever say <laughs> right. such a thing as that. Yeah, but it's true; it's been verified to us. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, to to believers who are doubting, I would just encourage you to to go back to the scriptures, mm-hmm. read read the scriptures, ask God to help you, ask God for uh, for the Spirit to refresh you, right, and to remind you of this great salvation. You you don't need. Um, to go to a charismatic church where they're running up and down the aisles and and speaking in you know supposed tongues to experience the power of God, you just need to open up the Bible and read it um, prayerfully, um, asking God if if you're doubting, pray, asking Him to help you to believe mm-hmm. uh, because He has He has attested to this, and I I always like to point out whenever the Trinity right. pops up because a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. the trinity in the scriptures it's all over the place once you start looking for it it's it's absolutely everywhere this is not something that that yeah. uh, christians invented later i put a big box around it here on my notes see it yeah and it's usually brought up like this in a practical way yeah yeah the the lord declared this message that's that's the son right that's jesus god also bore witness to it that's the father and the holy spirit was He's giving gifts mm-hmm. um, according to his will. Right. Right. So there's the personhood of the Spirit. But you've got the the Son, the Father, and the Spirit here in this warning passage. Um, I, I just always like to point out our, our salvation is Trinitarian mm-hmm. um, and not just at the beginning, all throughout. Right. Um, we, we serve a Trinitarian God. Yeah, that's right. Very good. And we got a conference coming up on the Trinity. We do. Right. Yeah, yeah in February. It's, uh, coming up in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christ Center Churches Conference. And uh, you can check that out. Um, Christ Center.church. You can go there. I believe that's the. Uh, and you can see all the information. You could even sign up there. I'd love for you to do that. You'll get a whole bunch of free books. Um, that's what the, the, the cost of that conference is for. No one that speaks gets paid any money. Yep. Um, it's all for that goes into the books and the food because yep. we give food away. So that's 
probably unique for a lot of conferences. Yeah. We're all like volunteering. Mm-hmm. And it's a Facebook page, also Christ Center Churches. Yeah. So go check Facebook that out. It's going to be on the Trinity. It's going to be all kinds of stuff about just what we just talked about here. Yeah. How the Trinity is just everywhere. So good. All right. Any last comments, George, before we shut this thing down? We just need to take these warnings seriously. Mm. And this isn't the this isn't the last one. There's there's four more that are coming, and each one of them gets stronger and stronger. Um, and it's not meant for us to be discouraged. It's meant for us to um, believe and to cling to Christ. And we're going to see that um, in the next two weeks, that he's not just going to leave us floundering. He's not going to say, you got to pay much, much more attention and then just move on. Right. I think that what's going on with verses 5 through 18 is he's saying, look, uh, look to Christ, look to Christ, um, be encouraged, be comforted by, uh, by what Christ has done and what he is going to do, and uh, then persevere. And Good. so we're, we're not meant to read these, and that so many people struggle and doubt their salvation, mm-hmm. and I think the warning passages are often front and center in those doubts. Um, and what I would just say to those who are, are doubting their, their salvation is look to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Look to Jesus. Obey the warning passages. Right. Um, pay attention to the gospel. Cling tightly to Christ. If you're doubting, if you're struggling, if you feel like you're drifting, um, cry out to to Christ. Hold me. Um, get involved with a church. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with other believers who will help you. Mm-hmm. Um, come to church. Listen to you know. Sing, pray, listen to the sermons. Um, and then we have the promises in the scriptures that Christ will hold us. Yeah, you need to have other people around. You yeah, know, or you're going to drift away to your own. I mean, this is this is a community, yeah, right? Therefore, we yeah. we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. He's yeah. talking to the community. Mm-hmm. He's not just talking to an individual. Um, he's talking to the church. Right. And if you're if you're doubting your salvation. I can't say it with 100% accuracy because I don't know everything that's going on in people's lives, but I, I would imagine that you're probably not going to church like you should, or, or at least you're not sticking around. You're sneaking in and sneaking out. You got to actually Have be some. in the community. Right. Um, and you're probably, probably not reading your Bible. Right. I, I would imagine that those two things are probably characteristic of your life. Yeah. And if you want to have that, that security... Um, get into church. Um, get invested with the people. With the people, right? Um, and uh, spend time reading and and studying God's word, yeah. um, prayerfully meditating upon it. And I, I can I can confidently say that God is faithful to His promises, and that He will give you security. Good, good stuff. All right, thanks for listening today. Conformed to Christ podcast. Uh, hopefully, this has been a blessing to you and an encouragement and challenged you. If it has, please like, subscribe, and share. Uh, You could always write us a review. That will help other people find us on the various uh, podcasting platforms like iTunes, uh, Google, uh, Spotify, you know, all of that. So anytime you can write us a review, that would be very helpful. So hopefully um, it's our desire and it's our hope that this has helped you to become more and more conformed to Christ. See you next time.